Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here are your guides on this journey. David Begin of Begin Insights and Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hello, Car Wash Nation. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Car Wash the Podcast, the podcast that makes you a great car washer and a better overall human being. This particular podcast is part two of a conversation we had last week with Matt DeWolf and Brian Cruz from Sergeant Clean's Car Wash. So if you haven't listened to that, go back a week, listen to that, and that'll get you some context of what we're talking about. But we'll go ahead and start our podcast with Matt Cruz and Matt DeWolf. You know, the one thing that I think a lot of car wash owners run into interference is they don't feel like they get enough qualified candidates. And if I don't hire this person, there's not another person that's coming. And there's all types of consequences as a result of that. You end up hiring less than you want to. If you get an employee that's not quite working out, you're a little less apt to want to tell them they've got to go find something else to do. Then your standards just start going down and down and down. And pretty soon, like I used to say, the prisoners are running the prison, you know, and that's not the way you want your business to run. So your ability to hire as a car wash manager fixes a lot of problems. So if you can hire and, you know, you can get some candidates and you can hire good people, it fixes a lot of things. So how do you help people figure that part out at the beginning of gaining hiring confidence that they can hire the right people? Yeah, well, at our company, just being that, my background has been on that. I do all of our hiring. We kind of do it a three part. So I will do the initial interviews. And if they pass the Brian Cruz sniff test, and then they go to the general manager, and then there's always someone after the general manager, whether that's a regular team member or the assistant general manager, and they don't have a scripted interview sheet. They just go, hey, what's up, man? David, how are you? Hey, anything I can answer? Any questions? If they don't feel engagement or they don't feel they'd be a good fit personality-wise, I'm going to get feedback from myself. And I may even prep the GM or to even ask the team member. And that goes down the other page to, hey, you know what? During the interview, they said this about that. Make sure you really hone in on this. Or, you know what? They asked a lot about pay. Maybe they're just in for the tangibles. Can you dive a little deeper? And so on and so forth. And then the same thing with the GM interviews. They may find something and go, hey, listen, team member, come here. Hey, Matt, ask them about the fill in the blank. I completely forgot to ask that. What's their pulse on that? And continue on our way. So once you get them in the door, right? I mean, I love this notion of it's the good to great mentality, right? Like you got to get the right people on the bus. You don't just want a bus full of people. And then you decide where you're going with that bus. And and I think you can teach them all the things you need to do to be able to kind of, you know, prep a car or to maintain equipment or to clean up and to, you know, empty the pit, which thank God I don't do that every day. That's for you guys to do. (laughs) But tell me a little bit about the training process and like what's really successful for you in terms of getting people through that process of learning once they're the right person, how do they become a successful car wash employee? Yeah. I mean, and even to kind of dovetail back on David's is we were under this perception that you had to have car wash experience to be a general manager or assistant general manager. Far from the truth. We have really good general managers that came from Signet Jewelers, AutoZone, Auto Parts Retailers, Dick Sporting Goods, that just have really good people skills. 
That's something I cannot teach, Matt. I could try my best to teach time management and people skills and scheduling and dealing with humans. We're interesting people. So you really need to find the people that are good with dealing with people. From there, the training, you know, coincides with taking care of people. Some of those soft skills, teaching compassion, teaching love, teaching care. And if you're already going to have that, it's easy for them to migrate into those things when they're there on site. So a lot of our training, and we're we're developing an online training program just to really go along with our in-person training to more reiterate and to keep it as an ongoing lesson from sales and customer service and standards, safety, the product, product knowledge, DRB systems, so on and so forth. So they could always kind of go to this tool and extract knowledge at any given time for anybody, depending if you've been here for three months or a year. And a lot of that we've seen, and I love that the ICA is moving towards this direction, kind of with this management program, with this lead program. I think it's going to be tremendous because you get those owner operators who get someone who we think could be a manager, but we really need to make sure they want to do that because they're never going to tell the owner, no, we're going to pick up Matt, put him in the position. He's not going to be happy about doing it. He's, he's going to be confrontational. He has no people skills. So I just say, make sure you find the right ones to run those locations and they'll control the training. They'll control the culture. And we look at it as, is if we just, if we find six good general managers, that's the only six people we need to control the culture with, not 65 people. They'll take care of that and kind of use that mentality. Well, especially as you grow, right? You were talking earlier about how it gets exponentially more difficult with more locations to run those efficiently and keep that culture going. And it becomes a lot easier when it's six versus 36 in terms of people that you have to keep in line. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And that's kind of one of, you know, my fears and I don't say, you know, fears maybe is a strong word, but I just, I really want to keep that close to the chest. That's why I really appreciate, not that I would never give that up, Matt, but that I can control the culture best by doing the interview process, you know, by controlling who the people are going to come into our business. And I guess wrong, I'm not perfect. You know, I've guessed wrong on general managers and I've guessed wrong on regular team members, but just kind of control that as best as we can, as we grow and making sure we find the good ones. And that mentality of let's do more with less started way early. You know, we just kept feeding that in and saying, Hey, this is, this is what we're all about. Get that mentality and everyone knows it. So it's not like, Oh, I got to do all the work you immediately go you know, let's wait for a good person because I don't want to screw up we got going on our mojo here. We want to make sure we find a good person. Yeah, it's interesting that a good culture will fix a lot of problems because a good culture can be a self-correcting process because if you hire a ding-dong and, you know, the culture will fix that. Hey, this guy's not a good fit. You know, he's, he's hiding in the back room and the trash needs to be emptied. And that's what I love about culture is if you maintain a good culture, it's like maintaining a fire a bad piece of wood that you throw on a fire will not put out that fire, right? It might dampen a little bit, but it's not going to, it's not going to ruin, ruin that fire. So that's, I, I really appreciate the fact you focus on culture and you also focus on people, which was probably the biggest mistake I made as a car wash manager is I, I thought for whatever reason, I had this perception that everybody was like me. They were high performing, highly motivated. You would just tell them once they're going to do it. They're going to do it well. They're going to come ask questions. And it literally took me like five or six years to figure out, okay, that doesn't work. And I spent a lot of time being super frustrated trying to manage people. But you've got a real heart for people, Brian. And that might come from your background in the military. But what are some of your your hopes and expectations that you have for your employees? And then 
how do expectations, you know, you were in the Marines, that's certainly an organization that has super high expectations, right? And they've got reasons for high expectations. How do you translate that to what you do? Yeah. And, and David, I'm with you. I still suffer from that today. You know, people aren't Brian Cruz's. There's not another David Begin and there's not another Matt DeWolf. And man, that's, that's my biggest frustration. And I got some really good, it was awesome when I came into the industry. I had some really good mentors and advisors, owner operators that really helped me out. And I bought them coffee and lunch and dinner and so on and so forth. And really good mentors that followed me through the way that just slapped me in the face from time to time you know, that really hold me accountable. And that translates to the same thing of people aren't like Brian, you know, if we're 85, 90%, that's good. You know, look around the people, you hired them, you know, we hired them. They're good for a reason. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be another Brian or another David. So I think of that and it, and it goes back to that expectation question is I got to expect that. Then I'm going to hire as best as I can. And, you know, we reference a book here called the four agreements. I don't know if any of you guys heard of that before, but a couple of these that always are references, you know, always do your best. Don't take things personal and don't make assumptions. And that's one of the biggest thing here on these expectations. And if everyone lived by these four agreements, I think we'd be great. I just wish nothing but the best for the team when they come, you know, and, and I tell them part of the talking them out is, listen, if you're here for a year or 20 years, I want you to be smarter, better than when you came in. If it's two years or three years down the road, I want you to gain as much as you can from us, whether that's the people skills, whether that's communication, whether that's, man, hey, I worked in a car wash for two or three years and it was the best experience of my life. And now you're 40, 50, 60 years old and you've got your grandson or whatever starts working at a car. I want you to remember those things, that that's what brought you into, into your knowledge about the car wash. Because when we did this seven years ago, we ran a customer study survey here in the Midwest and it was dismal. I mean, it was horrible. It was car washes are disgusting. You get nasty employees, tattoos on their face and chain smoking and all this craziness and dark and grungy, nasty tunnels. And we thought, well, holy crap, we're spending our life savings getting into this nasty industry. And our, our goal has been change the face of car washing. And I think we've done that. And I say to our new people, that's what we expect you to do. Be good stewards in our community, serve, love people, care for people, be role models in our community. So you don't leave the car wash at 801, turn into a knucklehead. And then 701, the next day you come in and you're a saint and all is well. Just try to be as best as you can. You know, going back to four agreements, do the best. Do the best that you can. At the end of the day, when you lay your head on the pillow, go, yeah, I gave it my all. Or, you know what? I slacked off a little bit today. I got to make sure I don't do that tomorrow. That's good. So if you had to describe your chain to a customer, you know, they were trying to pick between multiple chains. How would you describe your business to a customer? I would probably say, you know, we get you a clean, dry and shiny car and put a smile on your face. Even during these masks and COVID-19, we just want to take you out of your element, you know, take it out of your day-to-day -day craziness that's going on, get you fresh, get you relaxed, put a smile on your face with a wave or maybe a smile in our tunnel and have you continue on your day. You know, give us three minutes of your time to put a good smile on your face. Well, that's good. Well, obviously, if you've seen the car wash study, people don't go to car washes to get their car clean. They go because it's an experience. It's a psychological lift. You know, it's a way to make your day better. It makes you feel better. And it doesn't cost a whole lot of money to do that. The one thing that still feels pretty normal, right? I mean, I can go to the car wash, 
most places the car wash is open. I can go through, I get the wash. It still, it gives me some kind of pride in, in what's going on and makes me feel like there is some, <laughs> some sanity left given the, uh, the new normal. But Brian, I want, I want you to go back. You were talking a little bit about caring and I know you guys have a value system that's cares. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So we, like any company, and this may get into a word of cliche, but you know, we do have a mission and a vision statement and our core values. So when we took a step back, we had probably about 10, maybe 15 that were on this list of important words, important characteristics, values, you know, that we want to emulate on a regular basis. And it kind of goes back. Some of those were terms from the Marine Corps, like justice, judgment, decisiveness, integrity, dependability, tact, initiative, enthusiasm, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and endurance. Wow. You know, still got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things along those lines. But we kind of dumbed it down to the acronym CARES. And it talks about candor, adaptable, responsiveness, engaged, and stewardship. And candor is important. It's never used in business as much as it should be. And we're candid in the interview process. We're candid when you come to work. We have cordial conversations. We tell it like it is. And I think that's important. Adaptable. We all know it, right? The car wash could be humming and beautiful and gorgeous. Then the chain breaks or something happens. And we want to be adaptive to what's going on. The receipt paper's out customer wants to buy a gift card and all this craziness is going on. Responsive is to do it in a safe and timely manner. And that goes hand in hand, not only just to the customer, but to one another. We serve one another and we want to make sure that's important. Engage to be part of the process, to wake up, be part of the day, part of the car wash, to be infused in these locations as it's yours, you know, kind of the owner's mentality. And stewardship, living a life of service, just like in the church, being good stewards of the community, good stewards in church, and and being those role models, I think it's important. That's where we've narrowed those down to those five, and it's stuck. I know David cares. David cares a lot. I do. <laughs> I do. I, I got better at that, Brian, when I finally, because I would always tell him what, you know, I need you to do this, and I didn't have a good reason. And I finally ended up coming up with three categories. So we do this before our customers. So you know, probably 75% of what we do is for our customers. And this is why we do this. And this is why we drop the chain down 10 minutes before we say we open. So we don't have people waiting to get in the car wash. If we're ready to go, let's wash cars. Let's, you know, let's not put up the chain at 601. Let's put it up at 615 because there are people that want to get to the car wash and let's take care of them. We don't, you know, I know you want to go home, but let's make sure we take care of it. So the reasons either are around our customers. The other one was your employees, so your fellow employees. The reason why we do this is because you're working as a team. And when you don't do these things, then you're affecting the team. And then very little of it would be, we do this because we need to have a profitable business. So we got to take care of, you know, our owners, we got to take care of the managers. And, you know, for this thing to be successful, we got to have profit. So there was those three major groups of stakeholders in our business. And I would always try to communicate a lot of times, these are the reasons why we're doing this, but it's based on one of those three things. It just made it easier for me to communicate. These are the reasons why. David, I love the book, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And to your point, that's exactly right. And I think a lot of the time was, I saw that in the Marine Corps of just, listen, shut up and go do what I told you to do. That only works in the Marines. That doesn't work in, in society. So when I had the last three years of being a recruiter, I saw that shifting to where, hey, let's work together. Here's why we need to get these people in. Here's why we need to fill in the blank, you know, whatever to happen. And I love that you've translated that to your team there, to your washes and people around you, because if once they understand that, 
I think they'll be more engaged. I mean, part more of the process first, just this drill instructor walking around the locations and just say, listen, this is how it works. I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it and think that they're puffing their chest and they've got this ego thing. It makes me cringe when I think that people actually talk to people like that. And if you do, I love this industry. Now's the time when you could put your resume in and go somewhere else outside the industry. And maybe that's a little too candid, but just if that's how your mentality is, find someone who loves people and put them in that place. And you take a backseat in the office and do accounting or back office stuff. Don't interact with humans. Yeah. (laughs) So Brian, if you're giving advice now, you've been in the car wash business you know, you're considered kind of a relatively new entrant. I, I think of you as a very experienced car wash operator, but, you know, you're relatively new in the industry. What would you tell people that are thinking about getting in the car wash industry? What, what advice would you give them? I would say it's more about the people than it is anything. Make sure you hire really hard, hire slow, make sure you find the right one. And when you get a bad apple, fire fast. There's a, a couple of ways to help the person out, to take care of them not to just give up immediately. But once you know you've got a uh, cancer in the organization or someone who's not part of it is lost engagement, get them out of there immediately. Yeah. And you're giving them an opportunity to go figure out how to be successful somewhere else. I used to think of firing as a, a terrible thing that you were doing to somebody. You were taking something away, but you really are giving them an opportunity to go find something that they can be successful in. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really important to find good people because as you grow, if that's your game plan, you can have one or two locations and be perfectly fine and, and run one or two, you know, sites or just one site for 30 years and be great. Just make sure you just hire the good people. It makes things a lot easier if you want to go on vacation or you just want the site to run better, just holistically, just putting yourself with good people around you. And that may be, David, you spend $2 more an hour or $3 more an hour. Don't go into that mentality where you look at the pro forma and you got these $9 an hour team members, and then you got a $12 guy managing them. That doesn't work. <laughs> I agree. And when I finally figured that out, Brian, pay your guys a little bit more, how much easier my life got. Yeah. My grandfather was an entrepreneur and he always said that you want them to go home at the end of the day, not worried about how do I pay this and how do I pay that? You want them to give them a good, honest wage and have them think about work when they're at work. And when they go home, go, you know what, honey? you know what, their spouse or their kids, we made good money. Let's go to an amusement park. Let's go to the store. Let's go get ice cream. You want them to have a life. So it's a good work-life balance. And I remember my grandfather saying that, and it's just something that we maybe didn't do immediately, but within that first six months of a year that we got traction, we've been doing it ever since for six and a half years. That's great. I'm glad you learned that lesson early. It took me a long time to learn that. But once I learned that lesson of overpay your guys slightly it just takes away most of your problems. Yep. You get what you pay for, right, David? Yeah, that's absolutely true. There's a reason that staff should be a major expense for you, right? I mean, those are the people that make the magic happen. It's one thing to put in, you know, spend a bunch of money on a bunch of equipment and, you know, have this big, beautiful wash location. And, you know, maybe you, you then turn around and you spend a bunch of money on marketing the thing. But then if people, if customers show up, <laughs> and, you know, you got the guy who's on a cell phone in the corner or the girl who's over taking a smoke break or nobody's paying attention to the customer, that ruins the whole whole thing. So then, I mean, it ends up costing you more than had you just hired good people in the first place and paid them what they're worth. I mean, I always talk about a good analogy here is like a thoroughbred racehorse. People buy yearlings, they raise them up for three years to race the Kentucky Derby, million, million, multi-million dollar horse, right? 
No different than a three or $4 million car wash site. Those people invest the best trainer, the best jockey, the best grain, the best field, the best massage therapist, whatever, right? To run in the Kentucky Derby and make money. But then a car washer, some, buy a three or $4 million racehorse and put the eight or $9 team member in there to run it. And to your point, Matt, they get the chain smoker driving up, you know, hey, what do you want? What can I get you? Type mentality yeah. with zero customer service. And then they wonder what's going on. Well, they saved two or $3 an hour here or there. Yeah, it's absolutely not worth it. And the problem when you're paying those people $9 an hour, they're always looking for that $9.50 an hour job elsewhere because, you know, in that type of environment, that's a lot of money to somebody. And if you pay them 10 or 12 bucks an hour, they feel more comfortable where they're at. And if they're a good employee, they're going to stay longer. Brian, I, uh, I always appreciate that you are super dedicated to people. I think that one of the things that I'm most proud of about our industry in general is that over time, I've seen it focus much more about car washing being something that can be a career versus car wash just being a job. And I think you all do a great job of that with Sergeant Clean. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do here in the future. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, David. I appreciate you guys thinking of me. Yeah. You're always great to talk to, Brian. You know, guys like you are really kind of transforming the industry and, you know, you're setting great standards. Not that there wasn't good standards to begin with, but the more people we get like you, Brian, I think it lets the industry, it lets people know inside and outside the industry that the standards are higher now. And I think that's going to help everybody. So thanks for listening to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. If you want to get this podcast in more hands in our car wash industry, please tell your friends and associates about the podcast. You can tell them they can get it anywhere they get podcasts. Or if you want to go to the website, you can go to the Car Wash Magazine website at carwash.org. Scroll down to the image of the Car Wash Magazine. Select that particular page and then select podcast. And for all of us here at Car Wash the Podcast, David Begin, Matt, Mad Dog the Wolf, and Brian Cruz, we appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time and keep washing those cars. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free, on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.